Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for supernatural girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I am here with my co-host, Patricia Kirkman. PK, how are you doing tonight? Oh, absolutely hunky-dory fine. (laughs) (laughs) Tongue-in-cheek, right? (laughs) Tongue-in-both-cheek. Oh, Oh, boy, I know. It's been a rough ride this past week. Well, I'm just so happy that you're here on the show because we have a great show tonight. We're going into the afterlife with Christy Rubinette, and I can't wait to get her on because she has a new book, lots of very cool stories. We're going to be talking about it all this evening. So, everybody, you're in the right place at the right time. Now, I do want to mention that Christy did not want to do live readings on the air this evening. So she will let you know how to get a hold of her in person and have a schedule for a reading. But in the meantime, if you have a general question for Christy, then we're happy to take that question tonight. So anyways, the call-in number is 563-999-3539. 563-999-3539. We'll try to get to everybody who has questions tonight. But first and foremost, Ms. PK, what's going on with the numbers? Well, as we know, this has been a month all about partnerships, which has been reviewing what we went through last year. But today, a lot of restrictions. It's a, it's a day that it dealt with just work and a lot of things needing to be put into order. But it does helping everybody build a better work foundation. But it's the need to attend to all the details that's making everybody a little uptight. I'll say a little nervous and jerky, to say the least. But tomorrow, things get much better because decisions can be made that are going to be very pleasant. There's going to be some good changes in the life. And it'll be a good time to travel or make some new friendships tomorrow. So that at least makes you feel better. Today's been a stinker. Oh, it makes me feel better. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's so nice. I like the change. That's a nice shift for everybody. Oh, God, yes. I think we could all use one of those. Yes. A lot of things Make new friends, place. have new things happen. Yes. Oh, boy. Yes, it sounds well, terrific. All kinds of changes are going on. And we're still dealing with all month long, even the few days that are left in it, are dealing with reviewing last year's issues. And we're all very, very sensitive to so many things. It doesn't take much to make us feel out of sorts or feel like we've been rejected. And I think that more than anything else, I've heard it from more of my clients calling they're having issues as far as their feelings go or what they feel somebody else said or their lack of being they they think being loved they're being loved they just 
are so into themselves that it's hard to see that we're all going through it, not just them. Makes a hmm. difference. So it's hard for people to feel it, it sounds like. Yeah. Well, when you're feeling overly sensitive about everything, it doesn't matter if somebody gives you a pat on the back of the head and say everything's going to be okay. Right at that moment, you could care less. All you're doing is feeding the void within yeah. yourself. But tomorrow morning when they wake up, it's going to be a whole new ball game. They're going to feel very uplifted. There will be a lot of changes made. But today, they can't help it. Today makes us feel very fault-finding and bitchy. doesn't matter. Ooh. you know. They could put a beautiful thing in front of us and we look at it and say, oh, it's pretty, but look at that. You know, We'll pick out that one little <laughs> thing that's not perfect within it. But tomorrow, everything's going to look bright, beautiful, and you'll have a good time. Oh, yeah. I'm Just going throw to have those a good shades time. open and... Yes, well, I'm happy to hear that. You deserve a good time. So I'm, I, that's I'm happy what I told to hear you. this. this is what... <laughs> Everybody needs to tell themselves that. You all deserve a good time well, tomorrow. Course. So yay. <laughs> if we don't that's offer wonderful. it to ourselves, who's going to give it to us? Who, who will? There's nothing wrong with taking that's care fine. of us. Yeah. Not at all. You have to do I that. If you don't like you're on the plane, you know. Put yeah, on the mask when you're on the plane and the oxygen comes down, you got to mm-hmm. put that oxygen mask on yourself first before you put it on anybody I, else. So that's how it is. Exactly I right. So if anybody most... would like... Go ahead. I was just going to say, if you pay attention, whether you like yourself or not, make a point of, look in the mirror of that person that you're looking at your new best friend. Be kind to that person. You might be surprised right. what the end result is. Amen. Okay. That's that's so true. Yes. Starts with itself. We all know that. We just got to remember to actually make that happen in a good way. And if anybody would like to know about what's coming up in their year, beginning with their numerological system, then the person to call is Patricia Kirkman. You can find her at patriciakirkman.com. And you can also find PK on our website, Supernatural Girls with a Z dot com. You can book your private session with her. And if you're interested in dreams, dream analysis, and also soul realignment, it's a new thing we're going to be offering here, then just uh, you can find me also at the same place, Supernatural Girls with a Z dot com. My email is right on the site, as is PK. You can reach out to either one of us or both. Happy to talk to you and work with you to get Definitely. you to wherever you're that's right. More knowledge is a good thing, and we have it. Oh, for so, sure. <laughs> we're just filled with it. So <laughs> I'm not going to say you're full I'm, of it. I didn't say that. <laughs> no, no. We are filled with knowledge. Let's leave it there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, yes, yes, yes. We, we found some really cool paranormal news that, that goes along with the topic tonight of the afterlife. And I found this. Where did I find this? On Nexus News. A great Mm -hmm. article about the quantum energy of life after death. And it's a bit of a read, but I want to encourage everybody to go to the Facebook page and read it because there's a lot of very insightful comments Mm -hmm. there. And they talk about, you know, the slit theory and all of that, which we've talked about on our show. But what's so fascinating is the Lanza theory and that's part of this article, and you should all read it. It implies that if the body generates consciousness, 
then consciousness dies when the body dies, which we know doesn't happen. So if the body receives consciousness in the same way that a cable box receives satellite signals, then, of course, consciousness does not end at the death of the physical vehicle. This is an example that's commonly used to describe the enigma of consciousness. I just thought that was a really interesting mm-hmm. comment on Lanza's theory. So, again, there's a, a whole big article about this and how we perceive life after death and what the latest research is showing, which is fascinating. So go to our Facebook page if you want to take a look at that. There's also a video there. So go ahead and watch it. Very interesting information, a confirmation of life after death, which is what we're going to be talking about this evening. So anyways, uh, make sure you like us, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and keep up with us there, as well as signing up for our newsletter, The Fringe Files, which can be found on the website, SupernaturalGirls.com. So tonight, our very exciting guest, Christy Robinette has a new book. It's called Journey to the Afterlife, and it is comforting messages and lessons from loved ones in spirit. Now, we're going to be talking about heaven and hell and what's in between. And Christy is a renowned psychic medium, and she's been using her skills to give private readings, to teach, and also to assist the police in investigations. We're going to want to hear all about this. So let's get Christy on. Christy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. We're delighted to have you with us. Yes, for sure. Now you have been in touch with the other side since you were, what, three years old? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a toddler. I've And, and I, I know a lot of people have such a similar story, and I love these types of shows, you know, because so many, even the listeners are like, me too, you know, I had those imaginary friends as well, and I grew up in a parochial upbringing where I was taught that those so-called imaginary friends were merely imaginary, and if they weren't imaginary, they were demons, so, <laughs> Ooh, yep. you know, no kind of, you know, problems with any of that, so either I'm schizophrenic as a three-year-old, or I'm I'm channeling demons, one or the other. You know, pick 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 <laughs> one of those that that feel the better of the two. Um, but oh yeah, my. so I've been seeing them since I was a toddler. Now, so your didn't, parents were were happy to tell you that this was not a good thing, so you didn't have a lot of support at home <laughs> for this. I had zero support, zero support, zero repertoire with anybody. You know, I I was I was born in the 70s and it was very Shirley MacLaine and Ms. Cleo for anybody that might remember that in the Midwest mm-hmm. um, yeah. who you know the Psychic Friends Network and oh, yeah. you know all of that which was a big joke it, it honestly there was nothing in that was serious about any of it it was looked upon as people who in the metaphysics that were early ambulance chasers to mm-hmm. those that had, you know, died, you know, that, that were desperate for a message from their loved one. And so, you know, you don't necessarily go to career day and say, I really want to be a medium because I see dead people. Um, and especially <laughs> they, they ended up putting me in parochial school because of it. They're like, we got to get you some God. So demons out, Christy, we're going to help you. And we're going <laughs> to, we're going to send you to Lutheran school and we're going to make you busy. 
and so that you don't have these um, conversations anymore. And I think, honestly, you know, I look back and I kind of joke about it now, but I think that they were afraid. You know, I, I, don't, I do think that mm-hmm. they believed me, and now I'm almost 50, and my dad's 80, and I had the conversation before my mom passed away. I just think, where do, you, where do they go, you know, for support when their mm-hmm. kids being spirits? Um, back then, at least, and even now, yeah, I, I have a lot a of clients point. who've had experiences who have been put on different mental illness drugs to because they think that there's something, you know, bipolar or, or schizophrenic because they're seeing their guides and, and loved ones on the other side. So it was just scary for them. That's a terrible thing to go through, and certainly uh, more psychiatrists and psychologists are starting to acknowledge the reality of communication with the afterlife Mm -hmm. and communication with just interdimensional beings. We had Dr. Richard Gallagher, a board-certified Ivy League-trained psychiatrist on the show not too long ago, talking about his experience with the paranormal and that he's very well qualified to tell the difference between possession, yeah. real possession, mm-hmm. and mental illness. And, you you know, it's important to have those skills to separate these things out. And I, I'm hoping uh, that a lot more psychologists and psychiatrists will learn from him so that people like your friends, Christy, will not be treated with drugs. If, you know, that is not a necessary right. uh, yeah, not situation. Right. Yeah, not my friends, clients. Definitely not my But it, I think it has evolved for sure. If I were to look at my client list, I think my client list is, if I had to rank it, that it is mostly those that are in the medical field or in the mental health field because they, too, have had their experiences and are curious about what it is. And, and even in the medical field, I think that that evolvement is happening. They are now learning Reiki or hands-on healing and, you know, other things with essential oils and things that aren't necessarily so straightforward, like, you know, prescribe this medication. They're, they're starting to realize that there's more than what we were originally taught. And in, in actuality, we're going backwards in a good way because that's where medicine started was you know, with herbs and, and leaves mm-hmm. and, and flowers and all of that. But um, yes. but I do think that we're evolving. Yes. I really hope good. so. I have a lot of best friends that are in the medical community that are physicians and physical therapists and they've had their experiences. And I think the more that we, we have these kinds of con- conversations, that we become a little bit more aware. And my parents, you know, going back to my parents, I told you off the air that I kind of had a story as to how I got involved in with the police. And it, it sort of was yes. to benefit with my parents. I was um, I was all of eight years old, seven, eight years old. And my grandfather, who was the only one in my family that actually never laughed at me or, or, you know, joked with me for seeing and hearing and communicating. Um, He ended up being beaten near death and was found in his, in his bedroom taken to ICU and being pretty much put on death watch. And at the time you had to be over 16 in order to go and visit with your loved ones. And I was only Mm -hmm. seven, eight years old. And, um, he kept asking whenever he came through in his consciousness, he kept asking for me. And he, even though he was my favorite person in the whole wide world, 
he uh, he did not play favorites. He had a dozen grandkids, and he would have never played favorites, but he kept asking for me. And unfortunately, in the physical realm, I wasn't able to communicate with him. He passed away before I could talk to him, but it was at his uh, at his funeral that I saw him as his casket was being lowered into next to my grandma into the grave. Um, he was standing next to a tree smoking a cigarette in spirit. Thing, you know, just like him, and I ran over and I gave him a hug, <laughs> and he said, "I need you to know that I'll always be around there. I'll, you, I'll be your protector. You need to be there for your mom." My mom had was 40 years old and had lost her mom, dad, and, and both her brothers, so she was pretty much orphaned except for her immediate family, and she was obviously taking it hard. And um, he says, you know, I need you to know that I know exactly what you're going through because I am one too. So he was a medium or a sensitive. And still to this day, I go, you know, that would have been really helpful if you had talked to me about this on the way home from school every day when you picked me up, you know. <laughs> we could have had these conversations. Oh. But um, it was a couple of weeks after that that my my dad took my mom to the mall, me and my mom to the mall, because that was my dad's form of therapy for her. You know, here's my credit card. You know, go go get some clothes, and it's going to make everything all better. And they set me in it front does. of a... <laughs> it, it helps. It does. It doesn't make it all better, but it does, you know. For about 15 does. minutes, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I sat in front of the, a fountain at the local mall while my parents went and shopped, and I had a book. I was a bookworm then. And right after they left, a man came up to me with a camera, and he asked if he could take photo that he needed to take his film to the local camera shop back then you actually had film and you had to get it developed Mm -hmm. and um, he complimented me on my long blonde hair at the time that's what I had and he I said sure I was a shy I was shy back then don't know what happened but I was shy back then and um, I let him take a picture and then he said you know the lighting's not right can you stand up and you know that the eight-year-old in me goes what the heck were you thinking you know the eight-year-old in me went sure the almost 50-year-old now goes what the heck were you thinking and um, but I did. Mm-hmm. I stood up, and he took another photo. And before I knew it, he was dragging me towards the exit of the mall. Oh my lord! And I, I can still, still to this day, it's something that haunts me. I can still feel his touch. I can still smell that he smelled of like cologne. There was still a smell, and I, um, I was just so scared about it. And I ended up, um, I ended up uh, getting away, but I felt like it was coming from my, from my uh, grandpa. I could smell the cigarette smoke from my grandpa, and I, um, I was, I pushed away, and I felt like the spirit pushed me away, and I felt um, just this sort of spiritual nudge and I went and got my parents and I and I was sad you know I was almost kidnapped and it was grandpa that saved my life and for some reason they didn't doubt me it was the first time that they had never doubted me and so um and so what a frightening I, uh, story my goodness yeah that is so they ended up filing a police report and they, um, they ended up filing a police report. And we, you know, at that time, it was 1979, my, um, the area around here 
was experiencing a serial killer. And it was the Oakland County killer. And Mm. so he was kidnapping people from that area. And he was, he was also called the babysitter because he would take care of these kids for a day or two. And then he would, um, and then he would uh, feed them their favorite meal, really macabre. And he would just take care of them, and then they would be found dead next to the side of the road where they would be found. And oh, good nearby Lord. where they were kidnapped. So mm. whether it was Horrible. him or not, we kind of believe that it was, and he still has not been caught. I ended up... Wow, really? To, they never caught him? Oh, yeah. No, they never did. They ended oh, up goodness. turning to... Uh, I ended up turning off of the the Bobsy twin books and went to true crime. So Anne ruled my person. And I started to read these serial killer books. So I'm seeing dead people, and I'm also, you know, going through this with with serial killers. So, of course, I didn't give my parents, you know, any fright, you know, with anything, you know, by doing that. But I ended up, I didn't even realize that at the time that I was training myself to work with the police through the intuition because I would read these novels and I'd be like, okay, what do I feel? Were they buried? Were they strangled? Were they, you know, are they alive? Are they not alive? And I would go through these different scenarios. And, um, and then, you know, when I became of age and it, it goes longer and I won't bore you with that, I ended up working with the police. And it was that sort of training that really helped me with it. And um, so I felt like that was my payback. That was my, my pay it forward. And still today, I work with those on the, on the other side to, um, you know, to, to help, to help. So, well, yeah, I mean, you, very, I you, you just escaped by the skinnier teeth from this person, whether he was a serial killer or not. I mean, the, the potential... Uh, for you to be seriously injured or possibly murdered was there. And so I would imagine you have a, a real affinity for anybody who becomes a victim. You That could have happened to you. Oh, how horrible. My God. I can't believe it. And I kind of think my grandpa. Really? No, well, I, I kind of think there's a police situation with that, that, the, that he either was on the force or it was a, a brother of somebody on the force. Because even today, I can still... I can still, I still know what the guy looks like. I can still, you know, give a sketch artist what he looks like. And the local, the police that are conducting this will not talk to me. They have talked to me. They've taken my statement, you know, and, and I've gone back. But they really won't give me a lot of information. And it's gone to the grand jury, which if you know anything about the court system, grand juries yeah. are very hush-hush. That's all sealed documents. Mm-hmm. So they, they... Every year they come up with new theories for this, and this has been, gosh, what, 40 years now? 40? Yeah, 40 years. Yeah, that's quite the cold case, yes. And everyone's pretty much passed except for one of the parents that that still wants, you know, their their son's, the the murder solved. You know, he still wants this solved. He still wants some sort of justice for his kids. Mm-hmm. And but what I didn't what I didn't realize, you know, and, and now I do is that I you know, this was right what I was kind of signed up for in a destiny, you know, type of heavenly way that my grandpa was like, Hey, you know, I'm gonna save her and maybe it wasn't you know, everything doesn't ne- not necessarily happen for a reason. Um but 
I think that a lot of times there is some reasoning the dots sort of connect, and that was one of the things. And I ended up working for a metaphysical store that so happened, you know, that happenstance, that no such thing as coincidences, that happened mm-hmm. to be kitty corner from a place department, and they would come over with cold cases and not so cold cases, and they would start to, uh, they, they would start to drill me on them. Is really what had happened. And so, um, tell us about some when, of those cases, Christy. Tell us some some particulars, if you can, about some of those cases. Were you able to help them solve murders or kidnappings, or find people that had gone missing? I, I yeah. The answer is yes, but I give the police all the credit. I never say that I solved the case. I was a tool. It was a team. It's been team effort. One of the ones, and I, and I really, honestly, I sign a lot of confidentiality agreements where I won't talk about a lot of the cases, which sounds, you know, it sounds so businesslike. But the police don't want to go out there and say, hey, by the way, we're, we're getting a medium to work on these cases because we don't mm-hmm. know, you know, all of the information. But... Um, one of the big ones, and it was on the ID channel that I worked on, was the Ashley Howley case, and that was out of uh, Columbus, Ohio, where she had gone missing, and she came to me in the dead of night and said, I need you to help find my body, and I need you to bring closure to my family. And that's the only time that I had ever contacted the police because I don't want to do that ambulance chasing. And so I ended Mm -hmm. up calling, I, I called crime, I called the police, police gave me to crime stoppers crime stoppers and the police gave me to the family and it it kind of looped that way the police weren't so thrilled with me um columbus isn't so keen on the idea that there's a medium that might know more than they there some of the police departments Mm -hmm. aren't as ego driven um but it it has been uh, it's been interesting. So I ended up doing a, a, a one pilot, which was going to be signed on for a series, but I ended up turning it down. But it was called Restless Souls. And the, the pilot had talked about Ashley and how I had assisted. And they ended up interviewing the detective who was like, yep, Christy's the one that solved it, which I was floored because I had never seen that footage until the television show had wow. actually aired. So I actually now, I what still did remember you... I like, fell down on the floor talk and was, what the heck, he actually gave me credit. Yeah. Talk, us, talk us through this case because it sounds interesting and you do have the right to talk about it apparently. So what? how did you find her body? How did you get the information? How did this come to you? Yeah, so she can so when I actually see spirits, they come to me in the physical. I've I've always seen them in the physical form. There's a bit of translucency where most of the time I can tell that it's actually a spirit and it's not a real person, but not all the time. Sometimes my family looks at me weird like, Who are you talking to? Um but so she she came to me and she said, I need to give you information. And so I always keep a journal. And when I do my psychic awareness classes, that's something that I, I make loud and clear that, you know, we get a lot of information in our dream state and we get a lot of information from our just awakened state. And and you need to keep a notepad, you know, next to your bed. And so I right. I do that. And I had written down a map and I had I had written down street names that didn't make any sense to me and information that, to me, at the moment, didn't make any sense to me. And so when I gave that all over to the police department, um, they they were interested because it was more information than what I should have known that they had known. And it was suspect that her boyfriend 
was connected to it, but they they were not going to speak about it. Um, they were not. They had investigated it, but they weren't ready to make an arrest, which be, ended up being a huge mistake. Um, she went she went missing in the summer, I believe, and uh, and it was like a year after when she came to me. So it had been some time that she had been gone. Um, the irony. There were so, like I said, there's no such thing as coincidences, but there were so many ironies. Is We had just moved to a home that was a block away where she had grown up and in Michigan, which was just weird. You know, and it's like, well, that must have been how she found me, right? She was wandering the streets of her old town hoping that someone was going to listen to her or see her. Um, my husband had worked with her dad and had been her, her dad's oh boss at one point and he remembered after we were working on the case for a while that he had met her at a company picnic back when she was a child so it was just a lot of a lot of weirdness but we Mm -hmm. ended up deciding she had said she was next to a metro park and we decided to go to the metro park that i thought that she was at and so here we are like a scooby-doo gang her family my husband and i we we caravan to Columbus, Ohio. I had never been. We go to this metro park. It's a it's the, one of the hottest Saturdays of of the year, and we start walking. You know, and people are carrying shovels. This doesn't look suspicious at all. So obviously, we <laughs> right. attention to the rangers in the park. They're like, you know, the seven dwarfs or something. Going, what are we doing? And the police came out, and, and the police said, well, okay, we're going to pull you aside, and you need to let us know what you know. And so I sat down, and I wrote out everything again for them. And I pretty much um, almost ended up in the backseat of the cop car because they thought that I was connected to the case. So oh that was a really scary, scary moment, which is, again, why I'm very careful, and I don't work on cases any longer unless the law enforcement is contacting me directly. But um, well, that's so we good ended advice, up I think, for anybody you know, who has the information, because you can easily be mistaken for the criminal, the perpetrator, if you're handing over information uh, unrequested. Yeah. So I think that's a right way to proceed. Yes, makes sense. Every day I'm getting, you know, this person's missing. Can you call the police and, and find her? I'm like, one, I'm not Wonder Woman. I wish I was, you know. Two, I, it just doesn't—it just doesn't work that way. We're watching way too much television to assume that it snapped the fingers and you know get the information. But there was a really and it's in my book. I don't know which book it's in. It's—it's it's not in this one. Um, but in the book, I kind of tell the story, and it was such a crazy moment because the police and the park ranger said, "Well, we just want you to go with us. We're going to go hike around this property and see what you feel." And they weren't thrilled. So the one uh, ranger was not thrilled at all to be doing this. He thought I was wasting his Saturday and he was sort of attitude. And I'm a little bit of a curvy girl, so I don't look like a hiker at all. So I'm like, great. I'm all on my own. (laughs) They wouldn't let me take my cell phone. You know, I'm leaving my husband and everybody else I know. And they're making me hike through miles of woods looking for a dead body, you know, with a murderer that's escaped, you know? So it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. But I ended up, the, the one person had to take a phone call, the only one that really kind of believed me, and he had to step away to take the call, and I was left with with the other guy, and he was not, again, happy with me, and these 
we were deep in the woods. We were next to a creek. And these three little boys came up, and they were walking towards us. And he said, what do you guys have in your hands? And they had a toad. They had, like, a frog. And, and he's like, well, that's really cool, you know, but make sure, you know, you don't hurt anything, and you be really careful with that. And they're like, we will. And they actually spoke. And then they stepped past us, and he looked at me, and we realized, like, together at the exact moment that we were deep in the woods, these kids were, like, under the age of 10. There was no reason these kids would, would be where they are. There was no parents. There was huh. no adults. And it was honestly like a Scooby-Doo moment where we looked at one another and we both turned around and looked back, and these kids disappeared in front of us. And he looked at me oh, and he wow. was like, now. And great, um, I those boys had drowned years ago in that creek. So oh, if I could do that for oh everybody, right? Everybody. It ended up it wasn't that park. And um the as I gave more information I kept saying that the pine trees looked like this and they looked like that and they knew instantly which park it was and we had to wait until uh another time. I think we almost had to wait another six to eight months. It was that long because the oh, mother was was uncooperative. Mm. Oh, it was no. really bad and they wanted canines with us and so I ended up saying, she's right here, and I put a stick into the ground when we went again, and they said, do you know where we're at? And I, I shook my head, and I said, I don't. And they said behind that fence was the, perp- the alleged perpetrator's father's house. Oh, wow. And oh, moved that he back to another metro park. Mm-hmm. And it still was some time before the cops, because I said, dig, let's dig, let's go. She's right here. This is where she's at. And it wasn't until the the boyfriend um, actually killed his family and um, (gasps) he escaped. And that's another reason why I'm very particular about working with the police because they were very Mm -hmm. concerned. He was killing everybody associated with the case, and they were very concerned that I was next on the list. And so... um, Good grief. Yeah, really scary. And they ended up... um, they ended up taking him and kind of giving him a little bit of a plea bargain and saying, well, well, let me know where he, where she is. And he, she was within a foot of where I had stuck that branch in the ground and said, dig. Incredible. Um, Incredible. Oh my God. Well, good for you that you were able to do that. It's years. It's not 24 hours or 48 hours. It's years. Yeah. it, It takes a long time. Well, We're going to take a very short commercial break. We're going to come back. We're going to be talking about heaven and hell and the in-between and all kinds of more stories, more interesting stories with our guest tonight, Christy Robinette. And she is the author of a great new book, which you should all get. And I'm going to get it. Yeah, we're not on video tonight because it's a very pretty cover. No, we're not, unfortunately. It's a beautiful book. I know. Yeah, Journey to the Afterlife, and it is comforting messages and lessons from loved ones in spirit. Stay tuned, everybody. We will be right back. Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With cosmic fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. 
Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, The Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com Astridian is a family of cosmetic products with 98% pure ionized minerals. We combine our science with a blend of essential oils to nourish and take care of your skin's health. How does it work? All Astridian products contain the proprietary redox technology having the capability of simulating an ionic zinc-copper superoxide dismutase effect. This free radical scavenger currently in your body has been diminished by toxins and the daily stresses of life. It is a perfectly balanced mineral complex that all $200 an hour dermatologists, their professors, and ancient history have proven. Redox technology is a process of reducing the skin's oxidation by transferring electrons from a radical state to a stress-free normal condition. Oxidative stress is a form of cellular aging, and as science has proven, a precursor to disease. The free radical theory of aging states that organisms age because cells accumulate free radical damage over time. Damaged cells are not beautiful, but healthy cells are. The Astridium family is presented in four different uses that cover unique benefits to your body. They are the Essential Anti-Aging Series, the Multivitamin Series, Sports Series, and Professional Series. Regain your youth with the power of Astridian. Visit www.astridian.com and inquire. Use the code SUPERNATURAL and receive a 10% discount on your first purchase. Astridian, the beauty of being healthy. Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I'm here with my co-host, PK, our incredible guest tonight, psychic medium Christy Robinette, And I think we also have a visitor from the other side in a very squeaky chair. So this is kind of an interesting thing. So I just want to let everybody know what happened. During the break, I talked with Christy in the mute room, and I said, Christy, you got to change your your chair. It's just every time you move, it squeaks. And she's like, my chair does not make any noise. It's definitely not me. <laughs> so now I know, PK, it's not you because your chair never makes any noise. And I know it's not me. My chair never makes any noise. So when that happens on the show, 
we know we have somebody visiting. And Christy, I know you're not here to do readings, but if you do pick up on who's visiting, that would be fun to know. <laughs> I'm sitting in a still dining room chair, and as I was telling the story, I'm like, who is like rocking in like a computer chair? Yeah, exactly. You know, like you could hear the squeak of a computer chair. <laughs> Is I that was too weird. funny? I'm like, it's not me. I could change so, to the exact same chair, but it's the exact same chair. So it's hilarious. We do have a visitor from the other side. And, Christy, if it does come to you who that person is, we'd love to know. <laughs> because it's this, this squeaky office chair is not any of us that's squeaking around here. We are quiet as church mice with our, our chairs and our computers and everything else that we have for equipment. So... It, that is very interesting, very interesting. So anyhow, so we have a fourth person on the show tonight, and maybe we'll <laughs> find weird. out who that is. <laughs> that would be nice. Not that would I definitely be nice. On our show. Yeah, this Christy, happens I'm a lot curious. with us. But... Uh, but is your husband involved with what you do? Um, he supports me. He's he. We call him the driver because a lot of times, <laughs> whether I'm doing readings or. Uh-huh. or paranormal investigations, or um, anything with the police, I, I, I end up going into kind of a fog, which is why one of the reasons why I said I wouldn't do sessions, because I've been fighting pneumonia. And right. so I've it, it's really hard when you're not feeling well, and then you're doing Definitely. that, and then you just you just can't heal. So, so thank you for understanding for that. But it, I end up going into this kind of a haze, and I, I've ended up before in the weirdest spots when I was driving. So he's been, he's my driver. He's the one that well, that's really good. My kids are really supportive. Too. Well, it's that nice that he safe. supports you in what you do. That's right. Very yeah, nice. I was. I actually, I was married to a skeptic for a long time, and I, that's my kids my kid's dad and he didn't believe in any of this and you know he really believed when I knew that he was cheating on me so don't cheat on me I I ended up and the funny thing was I ended up after that is when everything that I kept dormant I it was released after we were getting a divorce and I I did three things and I tell this in my lectures I I went to a neurologist because I thought maybe I had a brain tumor and that was causing the issues I went to a psychiatrist because I thought I must be crazy. My parents said I was, you know, if I'm talking to the other <laughs> side. And I went to my minister because I thought, you know, okay, well, if I have, maybe I've got demons, you know. And I thought, I honestly thought I'd be excommunicated out of the church. And all three people, I ended up giving a reading to my minister and the psychiatrist, uh, the therapist, and the neurologist all handed me books on mediumship and astral travel and said, I think you need to just start reading up on metaphysics because I think you're a medium. And um, so I ended up in the right path at the right time. And the minister who on the pulpit was teaching that everything I was experiencing was a terrible, horrible thing um, ended up giving me a, a business card of a local medium and saying, I think you need to go get a reading and you need somebody, you need a mentor, you need somebody who understands. Because I don't understand, I believe you, but I don't understand this. And it took me a while. I was working in the corporate world at the time. My kids were really young. And I went to the medium and the medium closed his eyes and opened his eyes and said, do you see you see dead people, don't you? And I hadn't told them anything. And I, I was surprised. And, and I don't like calling them dead. And in my books, I talk about that because I think they're living better than we're living. But I said, I do. And he said, do you want a job? 
And so that was the metaphysical center that I ended up working at. But he also said, you're going to end up meeting somebody, and his name starts with an R, and he's 10 years older, and he's been divorced for over 10 years, and he's got two kids, and you're going to get married quick. And I'm like, nope. You know, I I wasn't going to have anything to do with that, but I ended up getting hooked up on a blind date with a guy whose name was Chuck, and I thought, I'm safe, right? His name doesn't start with an R, and when we met, he wasn't my type, and I wasn't his type, and we found out that the things, the types that we thought that we were, were always wrong, so we were one another's type. And as he asked me what I did for a living, and I was working corporate, and instead of saying HR, I said spirit medium, and it was the first time that I had actually, like, labeled it, mm-hmm. and I spoke it, and he said, that's so cool, can you pass the ketchup? And I thought <laughs> that, that, this is a guy, this is a good guy, and I um, I passed the ketchup, but I told him the story, and I said, well, it's too bad you're not the one, because your name doesn't start with an R, and he turned ghost white and said, but my whole family calls me Robbie. Does that count? And oh so I married him. So I took Robin up. So, it, so he's been really not. It doesn't, none of it phases him. His mom was always very much into horoscopes and numerology, and she's the one, and still at almost 90 years old, she stays up and she listens to Coast to Coast every every morning. And so he was kind of raised and in that sort of lifestyle where he's intuitive, but he's definitely not, uh, you know, he's not psychic. Although he says he gets more psychic because he's sleeping with a psychic. But, you know, so it's sort of like it evolves when you sleep next to him. Oh, that's so nice. Nice to have that kind of support. Nice how that came together for you. So let's go to uh, a couple of things here. We're talking about... The afterlife, but you also have a chapter on hell in your book. Now, what are your thoughts on hell, and what have people told you about that that may have experienced it? <laughs> yeah, hell was, I, I talk in this book, it's a bit controversial, because I talk a lot about things that you don't necessarily think is going to be in kind of the, the afterlife type of a book. Like I talk about terminations and suicide and and all of that. And I, I try to make it um, hell. I try to make it less theological and more about the messages that the souls of the spirits were telling me what it is. And one of, um, I, I can't say that I have a favorite hell story, you know, but a, a lot of what I've been told by those on the other side regarding hell is, isn't anything that we theologically have been told. You know, so it's not the we're shoveling coal into the coal mine, you know, while a little devil is, you know, is, is prodding us and, and punishing us for this, that, and the other. It's so much more connected to our own, you know, being our own enemy, you know, and, and more of a mental thing. Although, obviously, you know, there's people who are really bad, and, and I talk about that too, but a lot of times you hear people who are saying that they're living hell on earth, you know, and those are those same types of, you know, issues that, that they go through into the afterlife. We can take those trunks of issues into the afterlife. And so I've, I actually get, I've, I've gotten some, some bad, really like, um, 
really crappy emails from people with my chapter on hell, but I say in it that we all know a person who lives within their misery. It's too sunny, mm-hmm. it's too rainy, it's too happy, it's too sad. And, you know, hell on earth can sometimes be that same thing. Um, my One of the favorite stories that I, I do write in is about Liam and the title of his sort of chapter is It's Always Monday in Hell. And he was just a really, really, uh, just a not a good guy. And he was a really terrible husband and a really terrible father. And he ended up dying suddenly and didn't have, he had that lower vibrational energy where that darker, you know, energy kind of, we've all met people, you know, that just feel soulless, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's who Liam was. And he kind of wandered around in his eternal gloom. He, you know, and some people will say that's hell and some people will say it's purgatory. But for him, he was just never satisfied. And even in the afterlife, he still hasn't found that sunshine. Now, then you've got the other people who are just a really, you know, terrible, you know, serial killers who've done really terrible things. And the hell that they've lived is, um, you know, pretty much... uh, in an ugly place because they've created their own hell. So just like we create our heaven, they've created their hell by the mm-hmm. earthly things that they've done and how they've taken to the other side. But these people, they didn't have a conscience in when they were alive. So, you know, I've heard, we've heard uh, psychic mediums on the show before say that there is no punishment. And that's kind of a disappointment when you've had an experience with somebody like that, if it's affected your family or your friends, and you hear that, hey, wait a second, they're not being punished. They're just getting their own gloom and doom reflected back. That's not enough. (laughs) I think there's It's a kind of interesting physical punishment. Yeah, I don't think that it's You know what I'm saying, how some people get... Yeah. Some people get very disappointed with that because it's like, well, where is the punishment for people that are so horrible to their brothers and sisters on the planet? So it's it's an interesting conundrum, I think, because, of course, you want to open your heart, but when you hear about some of the things or you've seen some of the things that these people have done, it's um, you kind of want something to, to come back to them. But what you're saying is yeah, it gets reflected back anyway, right? It is, and, and karma isn't something that you're supposed to wish upon anybody because you're just wishing that karma back onto yourself. It's a boomerang effect. So, you know, right. as much as the humanistic side of it goes, I want to have justice, you know, or I want to see that punishment, that is something that we're just not supposed to deal with. And I, 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 I've dealt, like I said, I've dealt with a lot of, you know, criminal cases, and I've had a lot of clients who have seen horrific things happen to their family members. And I always, you know, am, am bewildered by the strength of the forgiveness that they give to the people that hurt their loved one. For instance, I have a client whose child was um, on, on their way back to college and a distracted driver ended up running into them um, and it caused their car to go into the opposite lanes of the freeway and they were instantly killed by a semi-truck. And I witnessed this client go into court and stand next to the girl who was distracted driving and ask the judge that she not be sent to prison, that this happened, that she talk about distracted driving, that she, you know, that she have, 
you know, something other than prison time because she had suffered enough. And you look at that parent and you go, would I be able to do the same thing? I don't know, but I've witnessed it over and over, and I feel like spirit from the other side and their loved ones from the other side kind of offer them this, um, this comfort that we can't understand unless we're in their shoes. And that's, that's what yeah, that to. entails. Yeah, it's it's very difficult, I think. I mean, when I see these people who are offered total forgiveness, I'm in amazement of, mm-hmm. of that, that type of, of unconditional surrender and love. And yet, at the same time, you don't want to carry the burden of what they've done. And it's just, it's a very interesting philosophical question as well as a reality question when it comes to serious crimes that have been committed. Now, you also talk in your book about some synchronicities to death that are quite amazing. For example, the two best friends who ended up Mm -hmm. in a head-on collision, one going one way, one the other way, and it turned out that they they both died in this accident. It's such an unusual occurrence to know the Uh, person. It was a horrible, it was horrible. Um, it, yeah, and they ended up, they, they were in, and it was, it was very similar. It was a distracted driving case. They were, they, they ended up crashing into one another, unbeknownst to one another in the physical, that they were best friends. And being best friends, the families knew one another as well. And so it was the family that came, the one family that came to me to sort of help put it all together. And that her daughter kept saying, you know, you have to forgive. You you have to forgive because I have forgiven. You know, and we're together, and this isn't the way that we thought it was going to be, but we have to grasp the reality of the situation. And her mom went, there is no way, no way that I will forgive, ever. This is not going to happen. And there was no convincing her. I, I couldn't. Um, the other family members that were working on the forgiveness couldn't. The, the, the soul of her daughter couldn't. And it wasn't, um, it was a couple of years after that that she came in for another session and she was holding a baby girl. And it makes me cry every time I think of it. And the baby girl was named after both of the girls that had passed away. And it, it was, I was, so, I was really confused. I was like, wait a minute, what is going on? And it ended up being the one girl um, that had passed away, the brother, ended up finding a friend in the sister of the other girl, and they ended up getting married. And so the families became combined into one, and they both had to work on the forgiveness, especially for the granddaughter, you know, that mm-hmm. had been there. So, you know, she, her question delved into, is this baby reincarnated or did they have to die in order to sacrifice themselves, you know, in order for this baby in that relationship to, you know, connect? And it wasn't necessarily that that was that. It was mainly it was just a blessed gift from that wreckage of grief that they had to experience. But it was one of those, you know, head-scratching, just odd stories that had happened. And like I said, I don't believe in coincidences. So it definitely was supposed to happen. And I love thinking that this little girl's got two beautiful girls on the other side. And they were only teenagers. They were really young um, when this had happened. And I love that, you know, she's got two guardian angels that are going to definitely watch over her for the rest of her life. Incredible story. Mm -hmm. 
You also wonderful? talk about the, the synchronicity of uh, other deaths that have occurred. For example, the son passes away, then the father gets the news, has a heart attack, dies. And yeah. I mean, why do you think these happen that way? Is this just meant to be? Is this fated? They're supposed to cross over almost at the same time? Yeah, I think that's one another. It's not necessarily, you know, like it had to happen, but I think sometimes it happens for one to help the other one, you know, cross over so that they don't get caught up into the in-between. Um, there's the afterlife. Is, I still, like I said, I can't wait. I can wait to pass away, but I can't wait to have my time on the other side. And, and I hope that I have like an entrance interview, you know, like when you have the exit interview in the corporate world, you know, and talk about all the things. <laughs> I can't wait to have my moment because I've got a whole long list of questions that, you know, even though I experience this and I view this and I'm sometimes privy to information and stories and, and all of that, I don't know everything. I really don't. I, I, I'm constantly learning and I learn every time I'm in my office and I talk to a spirit. Every time I learn something different. And um, so it's, I, I can't wait to sit down, you know, with the universe, you know, or God or whomever you believe in and say, but I got these questions, you know, why do kids have to die? And, you know, why do people have to suffer? And why, why do these things, you know, this and that and the other happens? And I definitely have my list of questions. I don't know all of it, but I do think that often when that does happen, it's because they're helping one another cross over to the other side. What, so what do you think about purgatory? What are your purgatory, feelings on purgatory? Mm-hmm. You know, we we say purgatory. I, I work with a lot of different paranormal teams, and it's a conversation that I have with them a lot because I do believe that purgatory isn't the Catholicism's, um, you know, format of we have to pray for them mm-hmm. to elevate to a higher level. But I think it's a it's kind of a twofold thing. I think that sometimes it's those spirits and souls that have unfinished business that mm-hmm. have something else to say. And I think that sometimes it's those that are scared to cross over. And um, so a lot of times those that are working with paranormal investigation, they have a haunting or something like that. I think mm-hmm. that it's, it's that. That is what they're they're helping. They're helping, or they should be, I should say, that they're that they need to help these spirits cross over to the other side and sort of find their healing. You know, so purgatory, I do say, is sort of like um, it's like the airport. You know, nobody loves mm-hmm. to wait for their plane at the airport, right? So it, it's a delay in that plane that's coming, and they're sitting there, and oftentimes they're the ones that's missing the gate themselves. So it's. It's a choice that they've made. I don't think that they're stuck there. I think that there's an opportunity for them to cross over, you know, into a plane if they allow themselves, you know, to. But sometimes they need that extra effort. And one of the places, and I don't think I talk about it in this book either, but I, I one of the places is Mansfield, which is in Ohio, and it's a large prison that they do public paranormal investigations there and Shawshank Redemption was you know that was that was sort of the mm-hmm. format of that movie, right. which is a great movie. Um, but so when I went there and I took a team of I took a couple teams of people, we found that in the infirmary that there was a lot of lost souls that were there, and the reason is that the they were popu- it was overpopulated the prison was, and so they took all of these people that were 
you know, hard criminals to those that had stolen bread, you know, and was serving a life sentence. And they put them that were ill in this one big room and said, okay, this person's sick. He's going to get everybody else sick and everyone's going to die and we're going to have this population control. And this is real and true. This is really what happened historically. And Mm -hmm. so you've got all these souls that are wandering going, why did I die? You know, I honestly, I thought I was going to be with my family. I just stole a loaf of bread and I wasn't even sick. And, you know, so there's a lot of wandering souls there. And one of the things that we did is we sat down and we said, who wants to cross over? Not everybody did. Some people were like, I kind of like this. I'm getting attention from all these people. They're asking for me to knock on a wall and they're asking for me to, you know, make the lights flicker and I'm getting attention. I never got attention in my life, but I'm getting attention in my <laughs> death. So isn't that, that to me is so purgatory. Wow. That is fascinating, Amazing. Christy. Yeah. And some Very are like, I'm tired so, of people telling me to knock on the wall. So yeah, send me stuff like that. <laughs> so now purgatory is what you call the in-between? I do. Yeah, I call it the mm-hmm. um, and, and it is. You're not in heaven. You're not in hell. You're not in a bad place. You're just not in the great place either. You're in the air, you're in the airport. You're waiting. Yeah, I like I like mm-hmm. that as a saying for it. I think that sounds great, Christy. Thank you. Now, Being when raised. you've been doing your, I'm sorry. Go ahead, PK. No, I was just going to say. Uh, I was raised Catholic, and of course I've become into numerous different religions since then. But you start out with fear, and so you're really unsure. And even in the back of your mind, regardless of how old you get, you still think of some of the fear factors that were given to you as far as the religious beliefs. And so it's always nice when doors are open to see the, shall we say, see the light, that things aren't what they're made out to be but better than they could be yeah and in religion traditional religion we're we're given worst case scenarios aren't we oh gosh it's a lot of fear base and um and and i see it all the time even those clients that come to see me you know that have been in uh uh, especially catholics so not Mm -hmm. to pick on catholics but i'm going to pick on no but those that are catholic (laughs) They're they're very afraid, you know. They'll they'll be like, okay, I think I might be going to hell to come see you, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh no, nope, nope, you're not. It's it, that's just not happening because I'm not conjuring a spirit. I'm not conjuring your loved one. If they don't want to come see me, they're not going to come see me, you know. So the the Bible, even the specifics of that, and that's been transcribed, and the whole the whole metaphysics and the paranormal is in mm-hmm. the Bible. You know, Jesus raised Lazarus, and and Jesus, the disciples classified him as a ghost. You know, after he died and he rose again. And there's so Elijah, and there's reincarnation, and there's mm-hmm. all these other things that are mentioned. And it's so funny that we're not taught those. Those are those are like the chapters they skip over in our parochial school <laughs> religious classes. They're like, we're not going to talk about that. Right. We don't we don't know how to understand. We don't understand this. We don't know how to explain it. So we're not going to talk about it. But let's oh, talk about Noah and how we got all those animals on an ark. Let's talk about that one. <laughs> uh, I yeah, couldn't even corral mystery. my cat. How did he corral all of those animals? I'm still so confused. I get a kick exactly. out of the fact this because of my interest in numerology and astrology over the years, way way back in the beginning. Everyone was waiting for me to go to hell because the church doors were going to open and slam in my face simply because of my thoughts and ideas. 
but how well things have changed over these last 40 years that I've been involved with these things. It's so nice to feel that you can breathe and be free to speak about the things that you're interested in. Like I said, after all, Jesus was one that went to all these different places to learn how to do these things. Why wouldn't we be able to learn them too? If we are in his image, we should learn too. It's true. No, it's true. He was interested in different religions. He Mm -hmm. didn't say Catholics are the only one. You know, Lutherans are the only one. This is the only one. It was like, you know, he wants us to learn. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and I have a lot of conversations with rabbis and a lot of conversations with priests and nuns. I had a really kind of an interesting, um, I had a book that was out that was regarding spirit guides and reincarnation, and it was called Forevermore. And it's actually my favorite book. You're not supposed to have favorites, but I, Forevermore is one of my favorites. And so I was doing this conference, and this older gentleman was at this, this conference it was at the, a, a local pub because my book has Edgar Allan Poe it, it talks about you know the gothic madman and and how we can have all these different spirit guides and it it, it so we're at this really cool pub that's called the Raven and this older gentleman kind of didn't fit with the the people you know the clientele that were there to listen mm-hmm. to to the this this book party and this lecture that I was given and everyone was kind of looking at him going, oh, he's going to start problems. You know, they're a little bit suspicious of him. And I kept going, no, I, I think he's okay. You know, I think he's okay. And I did my, my little lecture and kind of synopsis of the book. And he came to me afterwards and he took my hand and he said, I'm the local priest of the of the Catholic Church down the street. And I just want to say thank you because this is something that we don't often talk about. And he goes, do you know that I see my angels and I talk to God and I talk to Jesus every day and that's exactly what you're doing and I thought Mm -hmm. wow you know this Mm. was an an 80 something year old man who had all his wits about him who was and he flat out said I'm so afraid to discuss this but this is exactly when people ask me for forgiveness who do I do I talk to God I pray and prayer is a form of I get those intuitive thoughts that are coming from somewhere and he goes, and I get these thoughts, and they're not coming from my psyche. They're coming from, you know, somebody else. And it, and it's a, and a lovely entity that I talk to. And I, I think back to him, and every once in a while he'll email me still, and he'll say, you know what, Christy, you're doing a good job. You're doing God's work, and keep doing it. And for some reason I always feel better. <laughs> I'm like, I've got at least oh, one priest a... on my side. Oh, that's a feel-good for that's sure. That's great. <clears throat> what a Definitely nice feeling that is. Job, Christy. Yeah, yeah, that is it's, it's nice that to have true. you know that. Like, and but we have, like we said in the beginning, we have evolved. You know, we're evolving, and mm-hmm. you know, sometimes not so good, and, and sometimes we're taking leaps and bounds. It's like playing a dice game, and sometimes we move five steps ahead, and sometimes it's two steps back. Yeah, very true. And now. Let me ask you a question also about, um, oh, gosh, now I just left my little tiny brain. <laughs> um, what, is your, what is your experience with demons? Because they are real. And have you had any of them show up when you were doing a clearing in a house or when you were speaking to one of your clients? Has that ever appeared to you? So in in Journey to the Afterlife, I talk about, and this is the first time I've ever 
really spoken about my experience in the house that I grew up in. And I do believe that there was, if it wasn't a demon, it was definitely a negative entity that caused um, a lot of conflict. Um, it was it was frightening. It was Amityville horror times a million. My my mom became ill. The the furnace blew up on my father. We had bug infestations and bird infestations. And oh my god! We had Ouija boards that would appear in in our living room that nobody mm-hmm. had brought in. We had an awful lot of crazy experiences that, you know, and here here I am. I can see and hear and feel and see. And my mom and dad are going, none of this exists. And they're all going through, you know, this with me. And to this day, I always say I should have a conversation on tape with my dad because my dad was a, a deacon for the Lutheran Church, and he was the one that we believe kind of stirred this up. He was reading Revelations, and he was giving classes on demonic entities and, um, and, and just sort of the darker realms. And when this all happened, he took all of his books and he burned them. And he said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And he actually kind of stepped away from the church after it because he really was afraid, and he wasn't, I guess, strong enough to deal with um, that, the balance of it. So uh, the, the demonic side of things, I will never classify myself as a demonologist. Um, I don't like dealing with it. I don't feel that, I think I, 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 ha- I know that I've dealt with it and I've had paranormal investigations where I have dealt with it. Um, that's the only time, and I, I kind of throw my husband under the box with this one all the time because we were called out <laughs> on a house that had a negative energy and I do believe it was a demonic entity. And um, so every time we went to go to this house, I would get laryngitis that day. Like, I would not be able to speak. So I wouldn't be able to say the Lord's mm-hmm. Prayer or do a blessing. or. But I would, co- and I'd feel fine, but I wouldn't have any voice, like nothing. So we had canceled a couple times, and I finally said, gosh darn it, I'm going to go. And, of course, I woke up again with not having a voice. And I'm like, I'm going to go. Oh, Somehow, my God. Someway, I'm going to conjure a voice. And so we went, and it was a bright, sunny, beautiful summer day. And just as we pulled into the driveway, a tree fell, like a large oak tree, right in front of the, the car. And thankfully, it didn't fall on the car, but it fell in front of the car, and it sort of blocked the house. And it was, it was sort of like something out of the movies where you're like, okay, if this isn't a sign to not go in, <laughs> you know, it's like those horror movies where you're like, why uh-huh. are you walking into there? Yeah. You know the murderer is there. But no, so I went, yeah, I'm going to go in. You know, it's not going to beat me. It's not going to beat me. And so we did. We, we went in and we sat at the kitchen table with the family and we were discussing all this, the crazy stuff that was happening. And all of a sudden the cabinet doors opened and there was plates that were being dropped out of nowhere. And they had one of those statues that were a butler. I don't know if you've ever seen them. Mm-hmm. They've got like like the butler's holding out a plate, you know, and they put right. little things on yeah, it. Sure. The butler's mm-hmm. eyes, that statue, the eyes were moving. Oh, and my goodness. I was like, okay, <laughs> what horror house have I just locked myself into? This is just bizarre. And my husband goes, and I'm out of here. And he leaves me <laughs> in this house. And he goes, I'm going to leave you in the car. And I'm oh, like, fabulous. Funny. This is great. <laughs> so I, I blessed the house. And 
they ended up having to move. Um, it, it was just a oh, horrific no. experience. I didn't tell them to move, but they ended up moving because they just couldn't deal with it. They had brought priests out, and the priests said, we can't do anything. They had brought pretty much every religious, you know, holy person out to bless it, and there was nothing else. And, and, and then so I what ended up was causing this, or who? Be- but before you go to the next place, who was causing all yeah. of this mischief in this house? What was it? Was it a demonic so we, energy, or was it just so un, we, you know unhappy souls? Who was it? We had discovered that there was a secret um, underground room in the garage that you could get oh. to from the basement, and okay. we believe that there was a male that had lived there way back when who was molesting kids, and so. Um, we believe that that energy sort of stirred something up and that they were sort of participating in things that were a little bit more of a darker art. And I think it was just the perfect storm for something to mm-hmm. breach through. And I do believe that that was a demonic entity. I, I, I do. That was something because I had horrible nightmares and it, that one was terrible. That was, and, and everybody from that family oh. has since passed away. Everybody. They all died. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Within years of that, oh. after they moved. So moving so didn't help them much. Now, so you said you had another story. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I wanted to make sure we had every piece of information on this one. So what happened mm-hmm. about a similar story? No, I, I, and then I ended up getting brought on on a case of a local celebrity um, who who had, again, you know, kind of the Amityville horror type of terrible, terrible things that were happening. So they were they were um, under contract. I can't say what they were doing, you know, as the celebrity. They were under contract. They were brought in, um, and they began to rent this million-dollar house in the suburbs, beautiful home, and they started to have the shadows, feeling like they're being watched, um, the footsteps. But then it, it got a little bit ugly because they had a small child, and the, she would wake up in the middle of the night screaming and the mom would go and she'd be wearing like those footy pajamas, but she would take them off and she would have scratches all on her back. And the child was being pretty much uh, hurt and the, the, the baby was seeing. So the baby was frightened by this. It was just, you know, when you get a, a child involved in something like this, this is when I'm like, okay, I don't care what it is. I'm going to help you. And they had gone to the local historical society, and they said, do you know any, we don't believe in this. We don't believe in the paranormal. We don't believe in ghosts. We don't believe in any of this. Um, but, you know, we're having experiences. Do you know anybody that you can recommend? And the historical society said, yes, call Christy. Or she and, and the exact words <laughs> that they used were, her head doesn't spin and she doesn't throw up green. She's kind of normal. So I went, I'm going to take that as a compliment, this historical society. Um, so I ended up, we, we got brought on and... The, the family who was under contract was also experiencing a lot of mishaps, you know, car accidents and falls and just a lot of weirdness. And everything from their furnaces were being cut, the lines to the furnaces were being cut, and there was nobody else in the house, to scratches on the walls, to blood that was coming up from the, the floor. Like, it was a, a lot of creepy a lot of creepiness and I brought in a shaman and we brought in a minister and we did a blessing and we found that that land had been an old farmland and it was owned by um, 
a, a man that was not a good guy. He had kept slaves on the farm even way after it was, you know, illegal, and he mistreated these slaves. So in some form, he was still trying to enslave human beings, if you will, you know, in the home. Um, there was only one positive thing is that the husband was not very mechanically inclined, and he was trying to put through, uh, he was trying to put together a crib. And you could auditory hear these spirits talking. It was like conversations. Like you were sitting in a bar and you could hear these conversations, which would drive you crazy, you know, anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he was trying to put the script together. And all of a sudden he heard, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) And he was the only one in the house. (laughs) (laughs) But um, they ended up losing a child. And they believed that it it was just a, a really peculiar situation in utero they lost the child where there was no explanation to it and they do believe that it was either a negative entity or a demonic entity that had caused that it was creepy awful Mm. that is awful did they end up staying in their house or did they leave they left um they also left left and they they hadn't had any problems once they left they had no problems Uh, the house sold immediately we were really surprised but after that, it's been on the market several times over. So, you know, this beautiful in the suburbs, you know, million dollar home that looks very peaceful and gorgeous, and it's got a really dark side, and it's the land, it's not the house. Mhm. Was it sitting in the wrong place? Well, that's yeah, that's really spooky stuff. Now, you also talk in your book. You have some really wonderful stories about children. And how they come back sometimes with memories of other lifetimes. And they're just adorable stories of children talking to their Mm -hmm. moms and dads about what they remember. Can you share some of that with our audience? Yeah, I actually have a a story that I shared that's connected to my own kids. And, um, and, And it was, it's sort of one of those eerie Twilight Zone type of you know, situations. I was sitting on the floor playing a, a board game with my daughter, who was all of like two and a half, three years old. Um, she pointed to my stomach, and she didn't know that I was pregnant. You know, when you're little, when they're little like that, you don't, you wait until you're really showing, you know, to to go through it. But she pointed to my stomach, and she said, "Do you remember when me and my brother?" And she pointed to my stomach, and I didn't know at the time that I was having a boy. Um, that there was a big fire and daddy saved us and you died. And I'm like, no, don't remember that. Do not remember that. Um, And she was actually really mad at me. You know, even as a toddler, she was, she was pretty mad at the whole situation of I had died. She kind of carried that from a past life into this lifetime. And, um, it was it was something that even now she's in her mid twenties, you know, that we talk about. She she has a birthmark that's on the underside of her hair, and she had lifted her hair and she said, "Look at mom, mommy, this is where I was burned in the fire." And she didn't even know she had that birthmark. Wow. You know, she couldn't even see it. Um, Isn't that something? And I and I've always been afraid of fire, so it was sort mm-hmm. of like she kind of gave mm-hmm. me a reading right then, you know, with regards to it. But I. I have had, you know, the stories that I tell, and I don't want to give too much away because I want people to buy the book, but I, I have, you know, a lot of the, the souls of even kids who have come through that say, 
you know, I know that you lost me, you know, mom and dad, but I'm, I'm helping, you know, you, I'm sending you, you know, another baby. I'm sending mm-hmm. you another child and it's not going to be me. I'm not reincarnating, but I'm sending you a baby and I will watch over this child and it'll always be my sibling. And so there's, there's so many different, um, you know, the old souls that we talk about and there's the new souls that, that actually, you know, happens as well um, because we have to have a mixture of the two, you know, we just do. Um, I yeah, tell one story yeah. about a, a child who was born fighting the stereotype of what a girl should be, you know, and, and talk about the whole transsexual and the, you know, the, the label of gay, you know, that they go through and um, and it had nothing to do with a sexual thing, and it had everything to do with a soul thing. And and her name was Adrian, and Adrian ended up um, killing herself. And it, it was just, it, I hope that these stories though help, you know, because the mm-hmm. message wasn't this is the way out, but this is what I did wrong, and this is what the soul means, and. You know, and, and Adrian kept saying, I was an Oscar-worthy performance all my life. And, you know, I, I fought with who I was and what I was and that it was a choice that I had to take that way out, but that who I was, who my soul was, isn't a choice. And isn't that, I mean, we experience that all day long, you know, with acceptance. We still want to be accepted. And mm-hmm. And it's so interesting, that particular story, because she did say to you, that she had the absolute love and support and acceptance of her own family. So her family really embraced her and basically encouraged her, whoever you are, whatever you want to be. But it was her lack of acceptance of herself that drove her into yeah. a suicidal state. It's very interesting yeah. experience because usually, you know, with parents and family who support them, they're like, you know, okay, so the rest of the, I'm against the rest of the world, the rest of the world against me, whatever. But, but I'm okay. I have my family loving me, telling me it's okay. But she didn't come down that way. She ended up uh, kind of just feeling so out of place, which was yeah, very sad. So I mean, I can guilt. imagine the family was devastated. Absolutely. I mean, she had so much unfinished business, you know, here. You know, talk about that in between. She honestly just couldn't come to terms with who she was, that unhappiness that she had and it had nothing to do with the label of who she was. It was just simply, mm-hmm. you know, I think we've, we've all woken up with our soul feeling really heavy. You know, we've, we've mm-hmm. gone through days where everything feels like it's impossible, you know, and, and it doesn't matter what anybody says or what anybody does. And I just had somebody recently who was a client of mine who I'd become friends with who had lost her son to suicide, and it, it was a, a terrible. She suffered so badly from that, and I. She had gotten counseling, and she saw me, and we 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 had a repertoire. And then one morning, a couple weeks ago, she decided to end her life. And I still oh, no. like me in that moment. I went through her social media and said, "What did I miss? You know, what did I miss?" I must have missed mm-hmm. those signals. Right. And there was nothing. Every everything was 
happy-go-lucky. So I go back to Adrienne's story where she's like, I gave an Oscar-worthy performance. So even those that are smiling mm-hmm. and are supporting other people mm-hmm. and that are helping, everybody is holding some sort of a weight. Everybody. Yeah. And, you know, and that's why it's so important to be kind, you know, to other people. Because we don't know what's going on. We don't know. We don't know. And, you know. It's, no, we don't. We just don't know. We just don't. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's a very tough thing. And yet, I think what you're saying in the book also, we've we've heard this before, that there's no punishment intended for, for people who decide to commit suicide. It's just they have issues they need to work out, and they're going to work them out one way or another. They didn't work them out here. They're going to work them out on the other side. Yeah, and I think that that's the, the misconception to those that are in that that mind space of suicide that, and everyone's different, so I don't want to generalize because everybody has their own sort of story, but that they would be better off if they just didn't exist anymore. And a lot of times it's not even that they want to stop hurting, that they feel like they don't want anybody else to be hurting because of them, you know, that they're such a burden mm-hmm. to somebody else. And so yeah. they feel like if they just disappear, then everything is going to be okay. And in that moment, I really despise when people say what a selfish act it is because in that moment they feel like they're sacrificing themselves so that everybody else will be okay. It's a, mm-hmm. For them, in that moment, it's not selfish at all. It's the opposite of selfish. And so it, and, and it, it is, you know, and, and that's not true and that's not real. And everybody, there's an ability to get help. And sometimes that help is easier to get here in this lifetime than in this earthly realm than it is to get on the other side. It's it's not the way out. Yeah. It's just not. Right. But, again, I think people need to know, and I think you say this in the book, you're not going to get away with not doing your work. Like if you have issues that need resolution, you're going to have to do it. And if you take yourself out in this lifetime, well, okay, guess what's going to be waiting for you? It's kind of like that old saying, wherever you go, there you are. It's You can't get yeah. away from it. There is an evolutionary pattern that's followed, and you can make your choices however you want, but the work will follow you. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it just, it's not the easy, it's definitely not the easy way out. It's just not. And those mm-hmm. that thoughts over go, crap, right. I should have worked out it out here. And then mm-hmm. I would have caused so much pain <laughs> for everybody else that had to experience that. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, it's, right. and it's such a shame because we're seeing such a, an epidemic of suicide right now. Why do you think that it, is at this point? Oh, why? Why is that happening now? I, I think it's a lot of different. I, I think, you know, social media doesn't necessarily help that situation. I think that we're, we've got a lot of old souls here who are extra sensitive mm-hmm. to situations. Um, and it's it's not necessarily toughen up, but it's work through it. And I don't think that we're taught to work through it. I don't think that the society is. It's it's. I'm gonna I'm gonna probably get some horrible emails for this, but we, we're teaching our kids that everyone should be a winner. You know, everyone That's is gonna true, trophy. Unfortunately, yeah. everybody right. gets no, a trophy. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Second place isn't good enough have, anymore. No, I mean I was the one that was that was chosen last in gym class. You know, every time I was the one chosen last, it, it doesn't it doesn't equate to me being a loser. 
you know, it just means that wasn't my thing. And mm-hmm. so it's if we can teach these kids and even adults, you know, the empaths of the world that to embrace who they are and screw what other people say, you know, that that that, that should not be a burden. I, I look at it as everybody has a backpack. We're all holding mm-hmm. these backpacks of life. And these empaths and these old souls, Go. They say, you know what? You're holding a really heavy backpack. Let me let me carry that for you. And then they go to the next person and say, you're holding a really heavy backpack. You know, let me hold that for you too. And by the time they're they're going, they can hardly even walk. And everyone else, they're freeing everybody else from their burdens. And they can't even. They don't even know what's in their own backpack because they're carrying everybody else's stuff. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of the problem. We don't unplug ourselves enough. We just don't. That's true. What do you think when you you get visions visions of something or someone close to you and such, but it's not a person, but you get that feeling that there's someone there that's just come by or whatever. Do you feel that that's uh, someone that's there to assist you in going forward? Can you repeat that a different way? When many times you'll get a, a gut feel that somebody's there, you get that shadow of somebody right on the side of you sure. or whatever. Yeah. And the purpose for the person being there, is it for what we've missed or what we need to learn to go forward with what we're here to do? Yeah. A lot of times, you know, they're there to support us and kind of whisper their words of wisdom to us and, most of the time we're not listening to people that are around us that are talking to us. We're we're not hearing them because we're so involved or over-involved in this, that, and the other that we can't mm-hmm. hear the other side. So they they honestly are, you know, talk about the priest who says, look at every day I pray and I know that I'm talking to, you know, the, my guides and my angels on a higher energy. And he takes that time to pause. And so our loved ones are around us all the time trying to give us sort of our free psychic reading all day, every day. And we miss it, you know, and then we want that instant gratification. We do. We we do miss those signals. Well, Christy, I hate to interrupt you, but we're running out, quickly running out of time. So I want to urge everybody to get your book, Journey to the Afterlife, Comforting Messages and Lessons from Loved Ones in Spirit. And please, if you'd like a reading with Christy, go to christyrobinette.com and you can connect with Christy there. Next week, everybody, it's owls and UFOs. We will see you on the Blue Highway. Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls.